welcome to another episode of 6060. I'm your host Reese, and we're going to jump straight back into the conversation of whether a Christian can actually lose their salvation. Without further ado, let's hop right in. So I think no matter what you say, Brother Alfred, I don't know if Reese has a different idea. I don't know like what your ideas are, but for me, I agree with everything you've said. I'm just thinking about things that I've heard in church. And when I hear these things, I always think, man, your testimony sounds like, you know, I was always good and therefore yeah. I chose God. And it's like, it wasn't like that. Yeah, I was going to no, say, even with it that, wasn't, that, it that, wasn't that, like that. I know that yeah. it's not the case for me. You're, you're dead think, right. You're dead right, Sister Herman Reese. You know because because and this is again this is part of our crime. And and you you you, you listen now. I'm not being selective in the use of my word crime. Um, you know, just like our our, our Bishop um, Brother Kane. You know, and he Bishop Bishop um, Kane stood up on the podium and he gave his speech and he said, "Brethren, we are in hell hole." You know, and. Um, and Bishop um, Bishop um, um, Graham said, "No, no, no, B B Bishop, we're not in hell wall, you know." But but was Brother Kane right? Well, I think he was. It's the it's the misunderstanding that the man is using uh, a metaphor for a bad situation that we're in. You know, he's not lit, you know, and it's called hell hole. I mean, a bad situation, you know, we're not, we, it has nothing to do with hell per se, but the position that we're in, it's, it's, it's a bit of a hell wall. So, so in my mind, the man was totally right. So, so I, so, so I'm, I make, I, I use some very strong language when I say this next bit. Um, and we commit a crime. Most and probably every one of us in church, we commit a crime against God. And the crime that we commit against God is this, that we do not even know what he has said to us. We don't even know what he has written through the eyes of the, to the hands and the, of the righteous holy prophets and passed down to us, you know, for us to digest and for us to see and for us to understand and get a view and not a view to get a good, true perception of the nature of the God that has revealed himself to us, you know, and, and so, and so people, we, 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 we and because we don't, we, people latch onto one verse of scripture and make that the dogma for everything. They don't look at the whole. They don't look at they don't look at the new and the old testament. They don't look at Jesus and the apostle. They we try to make dichotomy between them, and we don't we don't see how everything ties up because it is one God, one mind that is working the scripture. So 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 here is the bit, Sister Hem, where you're right. No child of God, not one arrogant, ignorant, foolish, unwise. Ought to be a, ought to go up and, and make it sound as if they were so good and righteous and whatever else that they made the choice. You know, we they need to remember the scripture that says, "By grace you are saved," and grace does not come from man; grace is from God. So, by grace you are saved, and I think we need to remember that, even no matter how 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 
wicked and wretched the homosexual or whoever the depravity that people commit you know um it and when they do come to god it is the same by grace that they're saved that by grace we are also saved because whether the whether we've committed great depravity or little depravity the bible says every depravity is going to send us to hell anyway whether it be big or whether it be little you know jesus said if you're guilty of one little jot you're 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 guilty of the whole lot if you break one jot of the law you're guilty of the law you know so so it's we're we're not we're christians are very poor scholars hmm. of the scripture that we that that is really what holds us together you know and it's the scriptures that holds us together people you get a lot of foolish people and um, foolish christians among us and talking about the spirit the spirit the spirit the spirit you know what hold it together is the word of god if you the spirit works on one thing only he works on the word of god you know he don't work on your feeling and your view he works on the word of god that is the tool that the holy spirit used to guide us and to and to mature us you know because what what we we say thou shall love thy neighbor where is that coming from from the scripture you must forgive where is that coming from you know you must have this you must have that you must have long suffering you must be virtuous you must be meek you must be gentle where is that coming from is the scripture that is written and and the examples of the people that god has presented to us we must the, the old spirit say you must emulate them be like esther be like daniel the holy spirit is telling us giving us these people say that's what god has measured these people in the balance and they are not found wanting and they are the ones that you need now to emulate and that's what the scripture say we have clouds of witnesses and it's a there our examples you know whatsoever things were written of four times were written for our learning you know and we need to remember the scripture is not just a book to read it is it is life <laughs> you know and the spirit of god of course makes it very active and very very alive in our lives so yeah so i was just thinking as you were talking like um arise asked what are the implications and for me the implications are just gratitude yeah that's what i feel every day gratitude that god yeah. worked in me because where would i be and i look at my peers you know you know who aren't around you know we started off on the same journey they're not around and another implication is i just always pray for mercy for them as well because yeah. god showed me mercy and i yeah. just pray that god shows them mercy because i know there's no difference between the two of us mm. it's just that god has been so gracious to me and so you know it 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 just affects the way that you see other people and you and it affects the way you're passionate about the faith that you have because this is everything and when we reach eternity all we can say is thank you thank you thank you yes yes i persevered yes i you know i tried to keep myself from temptation i tried to make the right decisions but without god working in me i wouldn't i wouldn't make it yeah. and and so this is why for me it's an important topic it's not so that we can say oh you're wrong you're right but for me it's like it affects the way you see god and you see your salvation and you just so so grateful for what God has done in your yeah. life. It matters what we think and how we think. Mm. 
we need to have right thinking and thought process about God mm. and about and about Jesus Christ and about the heaven and the earth and about our our the our relationship with one another. We need to have proper and balanced thinking. And the and it's not the thinking is not for Christians. The thinking is not left up to me. Oh. You can work out how you want to think about Sister Emily. No, God prescribed how I should think about Sister Emily. He said, Hiya, you are Emily's keeper. You know, you know, you are to be prepared to give your life for Emily. You know, and so that's the kind of uh, the way we think is important. And the lack of teaching, the lack of probing, the lack of delving, the lack of unraveling of the scripture, which contains all these things how we should think are we the kind of a mind that we should have you know the bible says, let this let the what mind be in us what kind of mind the same mind that was in christ jesus we should let it be in us you know um, who, 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 who was prepared to die for his friends you know and so we are to develop those relationships for one another where we prefer one another more than our ourselves you know, and, 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 and I think, um, where do we get that from? The scriptures. And it's made alive through the work, as we say, of the Holy Spirit, through the action, the activity, the engagement of the Holy Spirit makes the word of God alive and uh, in our lives. Yeah, I totally agree. Because like Emily, I echo Emily in the sense that I am, I am very grateful for what God has done, especially now that I understand like kind of sticking with the the fact that like God has done all the work for me, and especially because because like I've been a professing Christian for fifteen years, but it wasn't until like I was I'm, I'm a part of that demographic um, of people who profess to be a Christian. But if you were to whittle things down, how much time was I spending in the Bible? Less than an hour a week. Was there any? Um, you may have seen me like from the outside, you may have said, oh yeah, you totally can see that, you know, he's Christian, but then you, you look underneath, there wasn't a lot of work going on on the inside. And it's like looking back, like when we did the, the identity crisis thing, I look back now and it's like the character that you played in that. Because a lot of people said that with, with um, stuff that they make that the, the characters that they put in are almost like an extension of themselves. The character that you played was an extension of myself at that point. But nobody would know. But it wasn't until, like I said, the, the pandemic happens. Oh, we can't go to churches anymore. So it's like, well, um, I'm still having to go to work amongst all of this. So it's like, let me. One thing that was going around in my head is like, oh, you know, you really love photography. You really love cars. You really love this graphic design and all that. Imagine if you put that much, that much energy and discipline um, and commitment into your faith. And it was one of the things that always batted off, batted off for years. But yeah, the pandemic mm -hmm. comes. It's like, you know what? Let me. Let me trial this out. Let's see what happens. So, okay, yeah, a driver's a job. I will just listen to Christian podcasts all the time and um, try and see if we can get that sort of thing going on. And then you listen to things like Wretched Radio and they do this thing on Wednesday called Witness Wednesday. And they essentially like uh, Todd Field, he's a pastor in America. He goes out to all these different campuses and he just goes out to random people and he just witnesses to them, you know, explains the gospel to them and what the implications and all that are. And in amongst what I'm hearing this week by week, did you hear him make bold claims in the um, um, bold claims about Jesus stuff? I was like, well, I don't believe that. But then it's a case where he has a basis for that making those claims. 
because he's looked mm. at scripture, he's though he's divided it rightly and stuff like that. I'm rebuttaling that, but I haven't got anything other than my sinful nature to base that sort of rebuttal on. And then it's a case where now I'm hearing the I'm hearing the gospel coherently and clearly and understand what the implications are. I'm now suddenly experiencing the Holy Spirit convicting me. When I professed to be when I came to um a professor Christian initially, that didn't happen. It's just a case of all these things going on in my life. I need an outlet. Do you want to accept Jesus in your life today? Yeah, great. I'll do that. Okay, speak in tongues. What is that? Just speak in tongues. You'll hear it. Okay, I'll make up these words. Oh, yeah, you've got the Holy Spirit. Go on. But I didn't notice any change from then at all. But why is it that when this person who understood what the power of the gospel just shared it plainly, clearly, the Holy Spirit decided, okay, I'm going to start pressing on those make you feel uncomfortable to a point where it's just like okay you know what i totally understand that everything i've done up to this point uh, up to this point mm-hmm. has almost been a sham like people around me can say that you know um you know no he's a wonderful man of god and things like that but in god's eyes i'm not qualified i'm not qualified mm-hmm. at all i've used it, um, this analogy with um mm-hmm. um with with alex where if i could be driving for 50 60 years behind the wheel, but I've never got my license. But in the eyes of the DVLA, I'm not qualified as a driver. I could also have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours under my belt with flying planes. But if I'm not qualified through the the criteria that the um, aviation authority have, I'm not considered a pilot. The same is thing with Christianity. Mm-hmm. I can I can do all the things from the outside that makes me think, you know what, yeah, no, because I'm doing this and doing that, I'm doing that. But then scripture kind of lays out there's this criteria of things that because salvation thing is not of our doing it's not something that we've crafted it's something that god has done so it would make sense for him to have a criteria for that sort of thing and all the benefits mm-hmm. and the things that he said he was going to do that will work through that sort of process that mm-hmm. i'm not qualified until those things happened i'm not qualified yeah. and it's taken yeah it's like yeah near enough 13 years to get to the stage it was just like i suddenly now understand so oh yeah you you desire, you desire to be more godly and you begin to understand things like the, the doctrine of justification. So, you know, the cross has justified me. So through the cross, I am considered righteous, not because of what I've done, but it's because of what the cross has done. So he's taken my punishment. He's paid that cost off. I am now given clothes in his righteousness. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus and it's like, you know what? He's still just because he's done that side, but then he's also shown love in the fact that you've been a sinner for all this time and you've even gone to the point where you even tried to parade around being, pretend to be uh, one of the fold, but it's because of the cross that I now can consider you to be one of my own. And it's like, if you look, um, going through, because I, lo- I like the book of Matthew, I love it, because um, it's a case where you go through and it's almost a case where you see that same method through the through the gospels where jesus is always talking about that the differences between the two so um if you were to um open the book of other things in matthew 5 where i might be putting it from the wrong place but essentially you got john the baptist he's baptizing people in the, the river jordan um hadn't noticed it before until recently when reading it through again but the, the sadducees and the pharisees come up and he's automatically condemning them from then Automatically condemning them from then, and he said, "You can't even use the excuse to say that you're um, one of Abraham's um, 
uh, your descendant Abraham to to kind of get you out from this. It's like no, it's a case of like you're, um, yeah, you're, you can definitely you can't use that as an excuse. You've paraded around saying that you know you're the man, you're the man of the cloth, but in God's eyes, that's not the case. That's not the case. And it's like, oh yeah, I may baptize in um, baptize with water, but the one who's coming after me is going to do it in with water and with fire. And it wasn't until I realized that he's, when I because I took those two as two same things. So you get baptized with with water. So, okay, great. Understand that was actual baptism. Then that with the fire, I thought, oh, maybe it's like being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So no, no, that's not the context. He's talking about salvation and judgment there. It's <laughs> salvation, judgment, and that thing. And it's okay. So why is, why is, because um, he talks about the vine then as well. So, oh, you know, um, the fact that you need to be bearing the fruit of uh, repentance in order to be saved. So why is it that he's referencing the same themes that Jesus is? Oh, well, in John, um, John's gospel much later uh, much much earlier than when he has a conversation but then this thread of yeah you you can't you can't do this of yourself sort of thing runs through the entire theme so it's a case you got like wheat and chaff so these two grow together they look the same but i'm gonna um i'm going to um during the harvest i'm gonna cut off the the chaff that's gonna be burned and i'm gonna harvest harvest the the wheat he talks about the fig tree, the fact that, oh, you know, it may show its leaves, but it's not bearing fruit. And if it's not bearing fruit, it's not worth having. So I'm going to cut it off. But then um, when he talks about those sorts of things, and then you go into like Matthew 23, who's condemning them, and he's using all these sorts of different languages, you realize he's talking, to, like the Pharisees understood who they were talking to. It's like, yeah, I've been talking about this. If you understood this, yeah, this is happening to you. This is happening to you. But then there's this other thing of, in the most of all of this, God is Jesus is saving people. Mm. In amongst all of this, so you've got those who, um, so when it comes to like this thing of, can you lose your salvation? I, it's not a case where like you suddenly join the fold, and then things happen. It's great, and then it falls apart, and you fall away. It feels very much, I kind of want to say it's almost black and white, where it's a it's a true and false convert sort of thing. And the mm. reference I would use for that is going through um, Matthew 25, where Jesus starts talking about the, starts with, um, is it the, the 10 virgins and the bride coming, and the, bride, and the bridegroom coming in, how mm. five are prepared, five aren't. Um, they mm. talked about those with the talents. There's four that do exactly what the master says, and there's one, you know, you call, you know, you, where you don't sow and things like that. Then he goes to, I don't know what the third one is, but the fourth one is with the the shepherd having the flock, but it's of sheep and goats. So, well, there seems to be a um, a consistency with that in the sense where if you look at the virgins, you've got five who are totally obedient, totally obedient, and then five who are unprepared for this bridegroom who everybody was told the exact same thing that he's coming he's coming mm. but there was five was just like no and then you, you go to the um you go to the dogs with the talents you got four you were uh, all five were given the same instruction five do exactly what they're told through obedience and you got this one who's just like i'm not going to do what you said because i think this of you and i think this of you and i think this of you still can't remember what the third one is but then yeah you got the shepherd um who we understand shepherds to be someone who looks after a flock of sheep but then you've got these goats in amongst them 
Is it well he's going to separate the two of those as well? Is it well what seems to be the connection between the, all of these? It's the fact that um, you certainly see it with the, the virgins that there's a there's a difference in behavior. They're all called virgins. There's no dispute about that. But there's five who don't act the way that they should through obedience because of the instruction. Then you go to the, the ones with the talents. It's the same thing. They're all given the exact same um, the exact same uh, instruction. Four do exactly what they should do. They praise for that, and there's one that doesn't, in pure disobedience. Still can't remember what the third one is. Then, like the fourth one, it's because well, sheep have a tendency to follow their like the shepherd, and they're they're easy to guide through and things like that. But then goats don't have that sort of mentality. It's the same with those who gods were saving and the Sadducees and the the Pharisees. In this case, as well, there seems to be this very consistent theme of. So like the beauty of it all is that, because um, I guess it kind of goes back to what I've noticed when looking at the stuff that we have during Sunday school is that like, the faith is a gift, most definitely, like that doesn't come off ourselves. But then through that faith comes the obedience, because I guess it's, um, you have Paul who says that um, it's by faith alone you are saved. And you've got James that says that without faith, uh, faith without works is dead. So while well, the, yeah, the, they're not contrasting each other, they're actually working hand in hand. It's like if you're gifted that faith, through that faith, you then work on the basis of that. So it's like, you know what? Um, so like you see in the the um, in the garden where um, we we see that, you know, he makes everything, um, puts man on the earth and put Adam on there. And it's just like, oh, these are the things I'm going to ask you to do. And he just does it without question. So, oh yeah, you see that tree over there? Don't touch it. It's not okay. So, oh, why would you put that there? It's just like, no, because I understand who you are, and the power that you have, I don't even even need to feel the question at the point to question you, because I, I trust you so much. Everything you say, I know is going to be through for, for my good. So I fully trust you, fully trust you with that. And to, I guess for a period, Eve was the same, but it wasn't until Satan came on the scene. It's just like, no, you need to start questioning the authority of God. He's not what he says he is. He's not what he says he is. And that's the sort of thing where it's like, oh, you know, we might say, well, we've got a curious nature. I would argue that we didn't necessarily have a curious nature because we knew who God was. It's only when we come into our fallenness nations that we question who God is. So that's where like the fully depraved, uh, the fully depraved sort of thing comes in for me, where it's a case where it's like, you can't, you can't of yourself come to truly follow God in yourself if he isn't doing that in you. Because if it was a case where we're doing it of ourselves, you would, like myself, you'd rather run around with the title but you'd rather live for yourself. It isn't until God intervenes. It's just like, oh, I suddenly, you're suddenly casting lights on certain things. And I can see the shadows of certain things. It's like, yeah, and it is a case that once that happens, like what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And I guess you can um, look through that criterion, like John 14, where it's just like, you know, um, you are made clean through, made clean through the word or made clean through the truth. It's like, oh, what is that truth? It kind of lays it out. So, oh, you know, it's a case of like restating God into being who we say he is and everything comes off the back of us like oh like the um fear of God is the beginning of all knowledge is it might be wisdom. Beginning, of wisdom. beginning of wisdom yeah it's a case of like it, it all starts there so I'm like I'm glad that Emily's kind of broken down like everything in Genesis is like things begin to fall into places like oh okay so I can totally so you can kind of see it with with people with Noah in a case of like you know what, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you 
to do this thing because I consider you righteous in my eyes and I'm going to want the same clean of the earth because nobody else is doing the exact same thing as you and not only that this is also going to be a metaphor of what Jesus is going to do on the cross same with um same with Abraham like it's like yeah it's a good example like it's only through the gift of faith that God has gone oh you know I'll, I'll test you I'll test your obedience to see whether um, I obviously know what the outcome is, but I'm going to test your obedience to see whether you make the right choice based on these things. And they go, oh, fuck, yeah, sacrifice your son. And he does that. And it's without question. It's without question. And that's because he knew who God was. So when it's like coming back to the um, to the salvation things, that like if there's some people who argue that, oh, yeah, you know, you can, you can, you can accept the gift a bit, but then you can say, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to regard this as I should, and then eventually I'm going to give it back to you. I struggle to find how how that runs scripturally consistent. If God is saying that, you know, I've called you, the Holy Spirit does the conviction from the outside. Once you come to that realization, yeah, you do it, um, and in obedience, you accept the gift of faith. Then I now dwell on the inside, and I'm because the Spirit is willing. I want you to, yeah, that desire is the case of, oh, you know what, I want to, I want to please God, I want to learn more about him, I want to shun my, I want to shun evil, you go through that process of sanctification, um, like, because you obviously were dead in sins before, you are now alive, if you are going, to, if you can lose your salvation, then all these things that God has said that, you know, you are now a new creature, you're no longer dead, you're alive, your spirit was in you, the law is written on your heart, all of those things have to be undone. And if all those things have can be undone, then our our faith and uh, the scripture thing that we stand on can be regarded as just as unspectacular as every other faith that's out there. Because he's not the he's not if he, in my eyes in this case he's not the the true and living God. If it's a case where that if the scripture kind of says that there's this permanence to permanence to this salvation. But we say that there isn't. Is it either okay? It's the case of well, is he wrong, or is it us that hasn't kind of grappled the understanding through kind of like dividing the word of God correctly? I think it's like um, just bringing back, um, just summarizing really what Brother Alfred has said so far in that, and what you have said as well. Like um, I've just made um, three notes: is that sometimes it's not easy to see. Some sometimes you can't look at somebody and know. Oh, yeah. And that's not our job to judge. Well, it is our job to judge. There's obvious fruits where Jesus says, By your fruits you should know you should know them, who are mine. But there's some people, like the sheep and the goats, like the wheat and the tares, you just don't know. And you could be in a church full of tares. Mm. <laughs> and that's why God said, Don't 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 sort them out yourself. I will do that on judgment day. But those who are saved are the ones who endure to the end. So ultimately, the ones who endure to the end, the ones that we see in heaven, were the ones that were saved. Hmm. And I can't always tell who that is. The majority of the time, I might not be able to tell if I'm in a church. And therefore, we leave it to God. And, and so my, my thoughts are, there's some people who you can see from their life, they're not followers. They're, they're in the church, but they're not followers of Christ. But there's a lot of people you will never know. And therefore, as Christians, we encourage each other. You know, we, we share the word. We 
we do everything we can to encourage each other so that if there is anyone among us who'd come uh, 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 who say that they're following christ but they're not really in the fold that they will come to christ so um you reese with your experience and the sad thing for me is so many people have the same experience too many people have the same experience where they're like i've been in church for all my life and it's when i'm 20 when i'm 30 that i actually get saved and i never realized i wasn't saved <laughs> all that time and i think that for me is 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 just why these conversations are important because people need to really this is life and death this is eternity and people really need to um examine themselves so for me i look at my life i look at what i've been through and i think god saved me god has saved me and i really believe i will endure to the end i will not because i have any faith in myself but because i have faith in god and i really think he's worked in my life but i still examine myself on a regular basis because i'm not a fool like i can't have, i can't afford to take this for granted and think oh well God has saved me. I don't really have to do anything because anyone with that attitude can't really be saved. <laughs> Those who are saved are like, I'm going to do all I can to make it to the end. And that's how you know people are saved as well. So for me, it's like, I'm going to do my best to endure to the end. I'm trusting that God will not let go of me in the times when I fall, in the times when I'm weak. I'm, I'm trusting that God won't let go of me and he'll, he'll hold me on. And all I can do for my fellow brethren is encourage them and pray to God that they also make it to the end. And on Judgment Day, we will see who made it to the end. And some, some, and we'll get a shock because some people won't be there who we thought should be there. And some people will be there. And we're like, oh, I never really thought that you would be there. But um, we can't let the wheat and tares grow together. And in the meantime, mm. preach the gospel. <laughs> encourage mm -hmm. teach mm -hmm. in the hope that the people that you love mm -hmm. are saved yeah. and find mm -hmm. christ and, and and god works in their lives but um mm -hmm. how will they know unless you say and so mm -hmm. and that's our that's our role as a fellow brethren and yeah it's definitely so our like love and mercy that you then want to start witnessing if it's the case because i do feel like there's this mentality of Oh, I'm saved now, so I don't need to do anything else. Essentially, I can just, I can just wait for me to go to heaven now. It's all locked and set in, so I don't need to do anything else. It's like, no, no, okay, so something's happened in you. Why do you not feel compelled to share this with somebody else? And I think it's, I've almost, yeah, it's because like God's almost allowed me to go through that experience to realize that, oh, you know what? There's probably plenty of other people have had the exact same experience, so I kind of desire, it's like, you know what? At least this happened for me. Like, scriptures, like not that I said I well I guess I must have doubted it at some point but what God said is true and everything he says he has he will do is being done in this in this um just like he said it would like it's happening it's happening for real like the fact that I am being transformed through his word because I'm allowing him to do so I'm not just picking out certain things go oh well I like this I don't like that it's because you know the Holy Spirit's desiring desire for me to to be obedient and to be sacrificial just like to learn more about him to to strengthen my theology and once i've strengthened my theology that allows me to then navigate my life based on what my understanding of the nature 
and uh, the person of who God is and what Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit, what he does and things like that. It's the case where those things wouldn't have happened had it not had been him doing that. And it's a case of, well, if he's done all of these things and what he says in scripture is happening for me, I should be, well, it, to be fair, it's a commandment anyway, we should go out and make disciples of all nations. But there's that element of, yeah, I desire to share it. I totally desire to share it is the fact that like you look at the fact that like say like Mormons go out and they they share their faith happily like they're lovely people they really are they really are I mean that it's a shame that uh, the core values of their their faith are deeply heretical and essentially it's it's a cult for what it is but there's people there that have the desire to go out and to share their faith so why, why do I feel the why do I feel scared to do the same when I'm experiencing everything that God said I would in the way that he said he would and the things that he's promised I can hold true to because he doesn't lie and he hasn't broken a promise at all so I can just fully trust and the, the, the beauty of that would be the fact that it's obedience that allows that thing to work because the opposite of that would be disobedience and the Bible regards disobedience like witchcraft so it's just yeah, the total surrender of everything that God says, I can fully trust. I can ask questions to gain a larger understanding, but I'm not going to question who you are or your authority, because then that, that begins to turn who you are into a caricature sort of thing. Yeah. And, and again, like, um, just coming back to something Brother Alfred said, and I, I totally agree in that. Sometimes we're too quick to count those who put their hand and say they're saved. Mm. But there's been many times when I've taught Sunday school and I've been in with the teenagers and everyone wants young people to be saved. You you just want your church to be full of young people. I'm not too quick. I, I, I always end, you know, not always end, but there's many times when we've you talked about salvation and I'm like, who wants to accept Christ? I'm going to give you time to think about it. Come back to me. If, you, if you're going to say yes this week, I will ask you again next week. Don't don't put up your hand, you know. I will speak to, you know, um, the discipleship team, you know, those who do the teachings and let them mm. know. But think about it because it's a it, it this is a serious thing. It's a it's an awesome thing. This is life and death and people need to be sure what they believe and we and we put we do a disservice or we put people in danger when they just put up their hand and we say, oh, you're saved now. And, and there's just nothing. And, and, you know, yes, the spirit works on many people's hearts, but we see from the sower and the seed, it doesn't mean that they're going to be saved. It doesn't mean that they're going to enjoy to them. We need to give people time to really consider that you are holding, um, handing your life over to God. And from now on, he will be Lord of your life. Do you really, really want that? So that people then don't get angry when they get to the point where they're just like, actually, it's not what I thought it would be. And are so angry that they just never will consider um, Christianity again. I think we need to give people time to prove themselves before we then declare them um, um, saints, really. So it's a big thing. But, uh, and, 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 the, and the thing is as well, you know, um, and you're right there. And we should allow them to reach the point not where we declare them but where they declare themselves and they can only declare themselves saved um, when they know and understand what they say from 
you know, because if you don't know what you're saved from and what you're saved to, then, you know, how can you claim to be saved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. Thank God for salvation, is what I'd say. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah, and, it, and it's the, I think sometimes, especially when you speak to people who, um, who are backslidden, which we've said now, you know, falling away. Um, I think you were there, Reese, when I asked someone in our cell group, what were you thinking? In all the years that you were backslidden mm. and you were away from the church, 10 years, 15, what were you thinking every single day? And yeah. they were like, and because I just don't, you know, those thoughts, what are people thinking? And they said, I knew I was in the wrong place. I knew <laughs> I knew I wasn't right with God and I knew I needed to. And every day I put it off, put it off, put it off. But it, it's the mercies of God that brings them back. It's the yeah. mercies of God. And it, and just imagine like you're out there for so long. Some people don't make it back, but it's the great mercies of God that he brings certain people back. And I think yeah. that's just a great, great testimony. But I think a great, a great testimony, which we never share, is those who are just endure, who are just stable, who don't do massive sins, who don't really have a big story to say, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've killed this person, you know, mm. I've committed adultery. They don't have any great story to tell in man's eyes, but they've just like, I've just endured, I've just been stable. And it's mm. like, that's a massive testimony yes. as well. So the way that we see salvation, I think we need to rethink it and mm. and think or just yeah. think about it. I think um, I think anyone um, listening should really consider what they think salvation is. Mm. And the big question is, are you saved? Mm. And what is your evidence? What evidence do you have that you are truly saved? And that's mm. a big question that everyone should ask themselves. And another question probably could follow on into that one, M, is um, do you want to be saved? You know, because that is, um, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, um, most of the time we see a wonderful demonstration in the scripture when Jesus and the apostles come to do miracles. Now, Jesus knows what the people want. He says, well, it's a, what would you have me to do to you? You know, and he clearly know that, that I might receive my sight, you know, and I think um, it's right for people to say, you know, I want to be saved. You know, I, I want to go to heaven. You know, I want to be with God. I want to, I want those things that is that has been promised. And here's the things again, you know, what what is it? What what is what is it that's been promised? A lot of you don't even read the script. You don't know what the promises are. You know, all you, all you, all you have is, oh, we're gonna have everlasting life. Is is that the promise? You know, um, the promises of God are, um, uh, and the scriptures um, reveal them and give insight into the things that are imagine unimaginable. You know, because the apostle Paul would say it hasn't entered into one mind the thing, but the things, but it's those things that I'm pressing after to be with God to receive those things. And, and, and to receive those things is to receive the fullness of God in heaven, because all those things are what we might class as being the fullness of Christ that's going to be revealed to us in heaven, you know. Um, 
but sometimes you know people you know people don't you know people don't sometimes don't want something bad enough and if you don't want something bad enough you will not sacrifice for those things you know and that's what jesus said you can't serve two masters the one that you love the most is the one you're going to serve and the serve and the serve Well, I hope you've enjoyed these last two episodes. I'm pretty sure the conversation won't just end here. The dialogue should continue with yourselves, but I hope that you can join us for the next session, which is going to be developing into the ministry of Judas, spiritual gifts, and how important salvation really is. But until then, be biblical.